What's up, wrestling fans? It is time for them boys from 607 Podcast to talk all things pro grappling. That's right, it is time for this week's edition of 607 TWS, The Wrestling Show. And we are coming to you from the 8122 Production Studios at Dragon Master Games. I am the host of 607 TWS. I'm also the host of the 3FN Podcast. My name is Rich. And joining me in the co-pilot chair as he does each and every week. But you better know him as the host of the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour Podcast. Better known as the OTPH. I'm talking about Ken M. 607 Podcast fam, what is happening? What is going on? What is good? Let's talk some pro wrestling, shall we? It's always a good time to talk some pro wrestling. And today we got another big show for you. And uh, as you know, this is the podcast, the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. And this week we got a little bit of everything for you. In the opening about, we will be talking about the event that went down this past Saturday from beautiful, progressive Saudi (laughs) Arabia. Uh, That would be Crown Jewel 2022. Then the mid card will feature the Indie Roundup brought to you by Fight TV. Ah, it's going to be interesting. New, New sponsor on board for that piece of work. And then, well, kind of, not kind of a new product, but kind of an old one at the same time. Yeah, it's a little interesting situation going on there we'll right now. We'll talk more about that during the mid-card, by the way. And then in the main event of the evening, we will be talking about the, the past week, Dynamite is kind of going to be a clinchpin because there were some big things that happened on Dynamite, mm-hmm. quote-unquote big things, and the bigger picture of building into the pay-per-view and concerns or hype or whatever we have for full gear which next week's program we will be previewing full gear because it is a week from saturday so we're going to be talking about how that is going so far going into it plus there was some big returns and such at uh the dynamite last week so we'll be talking about that in the main event of this show but before we get there ken m could you tell the fine folks at home how to find yourself in the ODPH podcast? Very simple. Swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on social media accounts, all right there on the front page, along with the T Public Store, Patreon link, Parlay Points blog section, a new blog's coming where we'll be dropping this week. So stay tuned for that. If it's anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. And of course, if you're looking for anything in the 3FN podcast or just a chat with me myself, it's easy. Go to 3FMPodcast.com. All of the social media links are there. Also, our Patreon link is there, patreon.com slash 3FMPodcast for as little as $1 a month. You get a ton of extra bonus content over mm-hmm. there. On top of that, on top of that, Ken, there's also an RT public link. I know it sounds like we, we copy ourselves, but let's be honest. Hey, we just know how to do business here. Facts. So RT public link is there as well. I got some new stuff coming up soon. Although, I will say this, and Ken did not mention this. He's got a brand new... Uh, design up that you can get on shirts you can get on hoodies you can get on stickers you can get on mugs i almost bought a mug but i didn't like how i don't like how their mugs look like yeah. i don't like the wraparound effect they do I, it, once again no shots at uh, the no, no. friends at t public i just uh, there's something about it but if you like it go, go buy it because listen for for years you should have put this shirt out and i know i'm doing my plugs but i mean let's be honest the reasons odph uh podcast design i i i even picked myself up something i appreciate that too yeah we we were kicking that around it was just a matter of finding the right logo for it that would truly represent reasons if it wasn't wrap around on the mug i was going to get the mug 
but it I, I but it was wraparound. It's not your fault. It's yeah. the way they design their stuff when you put the design in, which kind of I, I wish we could change that. Maybe we'll talk to the people at T Public because if it was just like on the one side, so when you're holding it, you could see it, like how our live stream for the Cure mug is here mm-hmm. on the desk. If it was something like that, oh, that'd be perfect. Let's take a look at that. If not, we can make those. We'll yeah. figure that shit out because I think that'd be cool because then you could just ho- point to it if we were on camera. Yes. <laughs> but anyways, let's get back to 3fmpodcast.com. Also Absolutely. There, you can find friends of the show like the ODPH. Go over to their website. You can check all that great stuff out as well. On top of that, our musical directory is there as well, including information for the band that does our theme music here on 607 TWS Floodlands. The song is called Ruins. And you can check them out and all the other great artists that we uh, do business with on YouTube Music, Spotify, and Bandcamp. And last but certainly not least, we have our local sponsors who help bring all of our podcasts to you commercial-free each and every week. And uh, 607TWS is mainly sponsored by our good friends at Dragon Master Games for all your Magic the Gathering gaming needs. Visit them on the World Wide Web at DragonMasterGames.com. Remember, 607TWS, powered by Dragon Master Games, and we thank them for that. Well, that's enough about us and our websites. Remember, odphpodcast.com and 3fmpodcast.com because I can't help myself shamelessly plug shit. Yes. But you didn't hear come here to hear me shamelessly plug or make witty jokes or put over Ken's new designs, although all of that is very important, and I hope you support us, whether both of us would be nice, mm-hmm. but if one or the other, or if you, I said it on my podcast, the 3FM podcast this week, even if you support another indie podcast that you're into, I'm all for that. Because most of us have Patreons and T Public stores or whatever other stores or whatever you have to do, or just simply giving us a five star rating on your favorite podcatcher, which you could do for this. Wink, wink, mm-hmm. nudge, nudge. Make sure you're following or subscribing, depending on the podcatcher. Big news coming for our expansion here on 607 TWS in the next couple of weeks. But you didn't come for all of that. No. I know I keep giving it to you because that's what I fucking do. I am a carny at heart. That's why I worked in the wrestling business for so long. Ladies and gentlemen. Ken, check your watch because let's give them what they want because it's time! By the way, if you want to hear Bruce Buffer this week, there is a big UFC card going down this Saturday as well. Huge, huge, huge card. UFC. There's so much going down on Saturday. When we get to the mid card of this show, <laughs> you're going to find out that there's a lot going on, but a UFC competition there. But they're not talking about this Saturday in the opening bout. No, 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 no. We're talking about this past Saturday because this past Saturday, WWE came back with a premium live event, Kenan, the PLE. Mm-hmm. Doesn't sound as good as PLE. No, it does not. But the PLE from beautiful progressive <laughs> I, I can't say it with a straight face i'm sorry but it, it did come for you from riyadh saudi arabia and there was a lot of question marks about this show not to do with the wrestling on paper this was the first show on paper that looked good going into a saudi arabian show but there's uh, some issues in the middle east right now between iran and saudi arabia there was some talk of an attack possibly being imminent thankfully without a hitch uh, the WWE came in and came out, so good good news there. Yes. So I just want to throw that out there. That happened after we recorded last week's episode. Yeah, a lot of headlines broke after we recorded. So uh, thankfully, went off without a hitch. Thank, thank, yes. thank, pra- praise the Lord or praise whatever deity you want to praise. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we got the beautiful crown jewel 2022 this past Saturday on the peacock. Cock, 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 the, the peacock. peacock. Now, uh, we were excited for the first time for a Saudi show. 
Yes. And I did not watch this live because my kid was playing in a var- his last varsity game. It turned out to be his last varsity game. It was a varsity playoff game. They ended up losing, you know, but they tried their best. So that's all that matters. But uh, I will say this. I didn't get to see it live, but I watched it when I came home and then finished it the next day because I was tired and whooped. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you what, I'm glad I did tune into this one. And I understand some people may have not tuned into this show because you don't agree with the morals and the standings of beautiful, progressive Saudi Arabia. I don't, I don't blame you. Right. But Riyadh is a little different. Yeah. You're coming to find out. Uh, it, there's a lot of business that goes on. It's the capital of Saudi Arabia, I found out. I noticed in the crowd that I did not see a lot of uh, the Muslim women in hijabs. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of them were hair was showing and everything, which I was interested about. I was like, uh, in Saudi Arabia, I thought that was a big no-no. I guess, though, in Riyadh, it's not. I guess in Riyadh, they have different rules because of all the international business. They do. It's something like that, yeah. Yeah, no, I, my wife actually looked into it. So I, I kind of like, I was like, oh, that's interesting. But once again, regardless of what you think of Saudi Arabia and the blood money, I just want to say this. I don't agree with the Saudi government. I, I, I will make it clear. Mm-hmm. However... That doesn't affect me watching a wrestling show. And the reason why is because I also don't agree with, you know, slave labor, but unfortunately I have Apple products Hmm. and I don't agree with, you know, you know, the Saudi government, but I still use Twitter. And if you guys didn't know, the Saudi government is partners with Elon Musk and Twitter. So the irony of some people going on to Twitter from their, uh, from their Apple iPhones or even from their Samsungs also made in China. Hmm. And also coming from mines because of precious metals yeah, from slave labor and calling this a blood money show is kind of a little shaky, guys. That's a little hypocritical. And that's why I don't do it, because I understand that unfortunately shit happens in the world and it fucking sucks. But I I, and I'm not saying that I endorse any of it because I don't. I think it's disturbing. Right. But unfortunately, it's the way of the fucking world. And it looks real stupid for me to go, oh, man, look at the Saudi blood money while messaging it from my iPhone onto Twitter, which is owned by the Saudi government. Mm -hmm. Also, for the people, once again, and we did this last year because of the same thing in the hypocrites. For the people who keep saying, well, that's why I watch AEW. They don't take Saudi blood money. (laughs) One of the biggest financiers, if you will, or one of the biggest business partners of one side con is Saudi Arabia, ladies and gentlemen. Follow the track record. Go ahead and read the articles from Forbes and such. It's fucking real. I'm sorry. So the, my problem with you guys doing hypocritical shit is that at some point in juncture, do you do we do we like the moral standings of Saudi Arabia? I I, I feel comfortable speaking for myself and Ken and saying no. no. However, though, do I like a lot of the political shit that happens here in the United States? <laughs> also, no. No. Do I like a lot of the bullshit that goes on around the world? No. But it's not going to change overnight. And the fact that you have to see hypocritical people typing in and stuff, I'll tell you what. I will take your side. When you put down your phones and you stay off social media, which is mostly owned by foreign entities or, or, or funded by foreign entities, and that's it. TikTok is, is owned by China. <laughs> mm. uh, Facebook gets a lot of sponsorships or Meta, sorry, gets a lot of yeah, sponsorships from around the world, including China, Russia, and Saudi Arabia. I'm just throwing it out there, guys. There's no perfect system. So to be nitpicky about what WWE did compared to everybody else is kind of dumb and pointless. That is my political statement for the day. Do you want to add something, Ken? Always check your facts before you start to uh, get on your soapbox and start typing on social media. Correct. So as much as I do not like 
the stuff in Saudi Arabia, as much as I think that a lot of what's going on in their country, I will say this, and I said it last week. WWE has made some positive changes there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Remember when they first started the deal? Women weren't even allowed to come over. But yet we saw more women wrestlers wrestle on this event and women referees refing this event mm-hmm. than ever before. So although the country might not be completely changing, WWE has made at least an impact in the entertainment realm as far as women's rights as entertainers in Saudi Arabia. And you saw the the little girls on when the, the wrestlers and referees were coming to the ring, mm-hmm. very excited in the crowd. And that is a fucking win. Yes. I don't care what anybody says. And that's not me shining over Saudi Arabia or WWE. No, I'm just but- saying... There is wins in bad situations. Absolutely. So we definitely want to give the praise where it's due, and that was one big win. And also, anybody who says that uh, they wouldn't take the money is a fucking liar. Exactly. If somebody was going to give you $50 million to fucking throw one show a year, you're taking it. Uh-huh. Are you kidding me? We've said it here before. If, if, if tomorrow the Prince of Saud calls me up and says, hey... I want to buy 607TWS, and uh, you're, we're going to be your main sponsor, and I'm going to give you and Ken both $10 million a year for your, for your time <laughs> and energy. Guess what? We will be telling you how great and luxurious, beautiful, progressive Saudi Arabia is <laughs> each and every week. I promise you that much. It sounds like a sellout. You're goddamn right. I'm selling out all the way to the fucking bank. Yeah, for that much? Yeah. Listen. <laughs> That's ground-changing money. It's not like fucking uh, he gave me $100 a week. I, that's not the same. $10 million a year or something like that. You know, If he's going to give us $50 million that we can split 25 and 25, oh, my God. I'm going to tell you how great he is. Me and Benny are going to be great friends, and I'm sure he doesn't like being called Benny, but whatever. Yeah. That's my little jab. <laughs> Fuck him. I'm sure TK doesn't always like being called TK, but hey. He could be called worse. So (laughs) (laughs) that's enough of our political stance and schooling motherfuckers. And if you get mad at me, that is perfectly fine. But you have to look yourself in the mirror because if you're going to be mad at me, that means that you tweeted something about Saudi blood money from your iPhone onto Twitter. And I'm just right. I'm sorry, guys. Check check your facts, folks. That's all we say. I I love that there was people that were like washing people in the comments about that. Oh, yeah. Like, you do know Twitter is owned by the Saudi government because they're partners with Elon Musk, Uh right? So you're on their app. So maybe you might want to step away from that. Oh, and if you decide to go to Instagram, they also pay it for Meta, too. (laughs) Like, they're they're, they're not owned. They don't own Meta, but they're definitely financially backing it along with other countries. Yeah. And like I said, if you, and I don't care if you own a Samsung or a fucking iPhone, guess what, guys? They're all made in, in China, and it's not exactly the best work conditions either. So <sighs> calm it down. I think Americans, too much, we step out of line and not know the world. Yeah, exactly. So once again, don't like the morals of Saudi Arabia, but it doesn't mean I'm going to call it blood money neither. Let's talk about the event because that's the important fucking part, right, Ken? Facts. Let's get out of this bullshit. This event opened up with a match that we've been waiting to see on bated breath, and that would be Bobby Lashley taking on the Beast, Barack Lesnar. And this match got six minutes even. By the way, I said it was going to be under 10, and it Mm. didn't matter because guess what? We got what we got. Exactly. Two fucking big bulls locking horns or two big sweaty men slapping meat, whatever you want to call it. And I'll tell you what I was surprised about, Ken. Bobby Lashley was pretty dominant in this match. And I'm going to give some uh, shout out to our good friend SRS who put it best. I think a lot of us forget how well Brock Lesnar can sell. Exactly. When Brock is motivated, 
he definitely can put on a show. Not saying that he doesn't do it all the time, but you see during this last few years, he's really having fun. You can definitely see he's definitely trying to make sure he's selling a lot more, really trying to put the opponent over. He's doing a lot of things that he hasn't done in the past before, but this match he definitely was in tune for, and you show, it showed right in the ring. Absolutely, and I'll tell you what, I love the ending to this match. This is a good classic ending. They get a call back every once in a while. Bobby Lashley dominating the match. He gets Brock in the hurt lock. And then Brock kicks off the buckle, kind of rolls to the back and gets the one, two, three. So Brock Lesnar's your winner, but he does it. And I wouldn't say cheap fashion. He just kind of outsmarted the guy who was trying to hurt him. Yeah. And so he squeaks out the victory. But after the match, Bobby Lashley continues the beatdown of Brock Lesnar. So I'm assuming we're going to get a Brock Lesnar versus uh, Bobby Lashley three. Yep. How'd you feel about the match uh, outside the finish of the match and the possibility of this feud continuing on? Give it to me. They played this up very well. We knew that there was so much hype going into this. It definitely delivered on it. I'm expecting to see this at Survivor Series. I don't know exactly what kind of stipulation, but I'm here for it. Absolutely. So next up, we had the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship match. Your new champions coming into the evening of Alexa Bliss and Asuka defending against the former champions, Damage Control, Dakota Kai, and EO Sky. Uh, by the way, before this match, we got an interesting little uh, yeah. thing in the back. As Alexa Bliss and Asuka were giving an interview right before going out, all of a sudden on the screen, we got to see the uh, Wyndham Six symbol come a little, uh, and there was a pause from Alexa Bliss and almost like, oh, shit. And then she continued on. Uh, so I thought that was a cool tease there, a little bit of something. It's a cool tease, but I'm going to say this right now. I'm hoping that Braid doesn't form a faction right away. I, I want to see how this story plays out just by him for a while. But I'm not going to be mad if he gets paired back up with Alexa because I thought they were doing solid work. Good points, good points. So then the match went on. This match got 12 minutes and 50 seconds. At the end of the day, and your new WWE Women's Tag Team Champions, Damage Control, Dakota Kai and EO Sky. Now, the big million-dollar question is, why did they do the belt change on Monday? Now, before I kick it over to you, I do want to give a thought, and I got to give the credit to who it belonged to. Crazy Curtis, my stepson. Me and him were watching the, the, the show, and after they won, I was like, well, then why did they do the title change? I was like everybody else. And he goes, well, maybe it's because they wanted to have a title change at Crown Jewel. Oh, and that's I went, a good point. I thought about it. I don't know if there's ever been a title change there before. 24-7 title, maybe, but... That right, is, right, but, but I mean, like, a yeah, real yeah, title. But like, a real title, no. So, I think that may... I mean, honestly, I still don't like it, per se, but it made sense when he said it, and I was like, oh, that's probably the reason, in my opinion. But what did you think of the match, the title change, all that happy jazz from the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship match? Love the match. Love, you know, this feud that's going on. I, I And I think they made the right call by giving damage control the belts. I think that that's definitely the smart play. I don't like a lot. Alexa and and Oscar together. Sorry, that's a little tongue twister for me. Uh, I just don't see them as like a real tag team. You know, I kind of see them just kind of thrown together. So it's like when unless they start really pairing up and making a run, I just don't really see the the point of this. But I think the title change there definitely put on a huge thing because this was a big match for for the show. Exactly, and also the end of this match not exactly clean because uh, Nikki Cross cost the match for yeah. Alexa Bliss and Oscar. So there's that storyline going on too. So. I, I, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna side with Crazy Curtis. I think that they just wanted a title change in Saudi. You know, kind of this is a big deal. This is the first time it didn't feel like a glorified house show, right? Mm -hmm. And so, hey, let's give a belt change because none of the other titles are gonna change hand this night. Uh, just just a little forewarning. Yeah. 
Next up on the was our steel cage match, the grudge match between Drew McIntyre and Karrion Cross. This match got 13 minutes. At the end of the day, Drew McIntyre finally slays Karrion Cross in the steel cage. Uh, this is kind of the way we thought it would go, so that way we could either continue the feud on, continue it on now, or give it a little pause break and continue it in the future. I thought this match was really good for a cage match. I thought it was a great part on the card. You know, you're coming off of the tag match, kind of getting the crowd excited because they saw a title change. I remember the live crowd saw a title change. They're excited for it. And I thought this just kept the show going in a nice flow. Uh, it wasn't my favorite match of the card, but it was still a solid match. Good match. Not the best ever, but it did its part what it needed to do. And this opens the door if they want to move Drew into a different program or they want to keep this going one more time. I'm, yeah. I'm happy either way. Greed. Next up was the six-man tag team match between the OC, AJ Styles, and the Good Brothers, Doc Gallows, and Carl Anderson. By the way, the never open-weight champion, yes. Carl Anderson, taking on the Judgment Day, the Prince Finn Balor, Damian Priest, and Dominic Mysterio. This match got 14 minutes at the end of the day due to Rhea Ripley, of course, as we thought it would go down. The Judgment Day picks up the dub. But some thoughts for this match. And let's go linear on it because I, I want to hear your opinions too. My first thought of this match is Dominic Mysterio fucking sucks. Mm. And, and I mean that. If anybody's out there singing his fucking praise, that kid is the shits. He's the drizzles. As bad as people talk about Marina Shafir and AEW, which yes, is still true. We talked about that last week. Dominic Mysterio is the drizzles. He doesn't do basic moves right. And I'm sorry, on the mic, he's a fucking annoying kid. I know some people are like, oh, well, he's doing better. No, he still fucking sucks. Abso fucking lutely and wholeheartedly. He does not. He's listen. And I don't talk about people being in ring shape or anything, but he has no shape. Mm -hmm. He looks like a fucking moron. He looks like a fucking douche nozzle. And somebody's like, well, that's the point. Really? It's the point to no, take up television no, as not. a douche nozzle. You know, on the other channel, we got hook who at least looks cool as shit and has a cool gimmick on AEW. Your answer to hook is Dominic Mysterio. Get the fuck out of here. And no, not sending him back to NXT. Get fucking rid of him. Let him go to AEW or fucking... Actually, I don't even think TK would take him. He's garbage. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. And if somebody wants to go after that, go uh, fuck ahead. Uh, am I wrong that he's trash? Oh, no. No, you're not. I mean, I've been singing this for a while. He's, he botched 15 times in this fucking match. He is this generation's version of David Flair. I'm sorry. It's the, the genetics are not carrying over with him. I'm sorry. Dominic is not ready for prime time, in my opinion. And I don't I, think he'll ever be ready for prime time. At this stage, no. I mean, they've given him every chance they can, and he's still not getting there. And it's just for whatever reason, it's not clicking. I do agree that he doesn't look like he's in wrestling shape. He doesn't. It's not a draw to see him on, on screen or in person. Like, I'm sorry. Just as it is right now, it's just not working. I don't know if it ever will. I'm with you on this. Number two, Judgment Day is a complete waste with the exception of Rhea Ripley. Yeah. Damian Priest and Finn Balor are great in the ring, but they're they, like, what are they doing? Like, what, what is their goal? What is their, you know, what is the end goal for Judgment Day? Was it to take out Edge? Because they did, to an extent, right? He's going to come back, but they did. What is it? Because AJ wouldn't join their little stupid group? Because, but here's the problem. They're not doing, the only person that's compelling in all of Judgment Day, in my opinion, I could be wrong if people want to disagree, is Rhea Ripley. Even in this match, Rhea's the MVP without being in the match because she cost the match, but at the end, it was her doing her little whiny thing and stuff. She's amazing. But outside of Rhea Ripley, Judgment Day is not benefiting anybody. I mean, once again, don't get me wrong, Finn Balor and Damian Priest are great in the ring, so they're delivering in the ring. 
But what is it doing for them storyline-wise? They're doing nothing because they're the Vince hangover. That's literally what it is. I'm sorry. The fact that they are just a faction to be a faction doesn't really make a lot of sense. If anything, and I'll echo your statements because I fully agree about this, Rhea Ripley is the MVP of this whole feud and this whole faction. It has elevated her stock so much that when they eventually break this faction up, she is going to be back in the main event scene quicker than anybody can blink, and rightfully so because she's earned it because now she's been around Finn and Damien and she's got the mannerisms down for the character that I think that maybe she needed just a little work on, but now you're seeing how she's stealing the scenes when she's in there. This is something that's going to be for her long term, but I think for right now it's like you almost have to think about breaking them up, have Finn turn on Damien and go with AJ and reform the club as the actual club. Oh, I agree with you. I'm actually agreeing with you there. I mean, it was brought up, of course, during the match, what people melted about is they mentioned the Bullet Club and that Finn Balor was the creator of the Bullet Club, which is true. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, well, they, you know, Shinsuke Nakamura is going to Noah. Right. And I understand the WWE Universe might not know or even, you know, might they might not know. They might not care because WWE Universe marks don't give a fuck about anything on not WWE. That's fine. Hence, that's their fandom. But... Yeah, it's not not big of a surprise to me. I was like, oh, it's cool. Michael Cole, gets, but Michael Cole's been saying cool shit on fucking commentating since Vince left. And that's the one thing I think Triple H is allowed to because he's not going to dumb it down for the fans, for the ones that are not the sole WWE universe. Yeah, he's going to mention Bullet Club. You're not going to deny it. It's the biggest faction in wrestling. It's in how many organizations. That says it all. So why wouldn't Triple H want to cash in on that and mention it on his show? He doesn't have to have the whole Bullet Club logo. But he has enough of it. Sadly enough, this could have been a great match, but Dominic Mysterio brought it down to a good match oh, because yeah. he was just terrible in this match. Uh, but everybody out the other five participants in the match were, were very good. Like I said, it should have been a great match. And Rhea Ripley's great as well. So Dominic Mysterio takes a great match and makes it good. And I think that that's a trend that we've been talking about on this show, and it's a trend that they need to just ship his ass the fuck out. You know what's going to be the sad thing? When we get to Wall Games. And how bad that's going to be. Hopefully it's the bloodline of somebody and not... I, I, you know, the, the logical thing is the, the OC with Edge versus the, you know, the Judgment Day maybe with Mysterio. Or, you know, that's what we've been pitching because it's logical. Yeah. But I'm hoping that poster that we saw, the new Survivor Series poster, where it's just the bloodline. I'm just hoping it's the fucking bloodline versus, uh, you know... Give me the uh, bloodline versus OC. Uh, you know what? How about a coalition? You do the bloodline versus the OC with Kevin Owens and somebody else, you know, like a coalition to go against the bloodline. But I don't, I'm no longer interested in judgment day. No. Honestly, I, I, I mean, I'm interested in the storyline from the Rhea Ripley aspect. And I always love seeing Damien and Finn wrestle, but as a faction, I'm sorry. And if, if, if you feel otherwise, that's fine. That's art subjective, but I just, but, I can't do it anymore. It, but, I don't, I don't want to see it in war games. Cause I can only imagine what Dominic Mysterio would do in war games. I'm fearful where he's going to do. Not in, the, not in the like the crazy Jeff Hardy jumping off the top of a cage thing. I'm not going to say the mean thing that I was thinking in my head. I'll let people decide what I was going to say. Next up is the Battle of the Titans. It was Omos versus Braun Strowman. This match got seven minutes and 20 seconds, and Braun Strowman at the end of the day gets the victory. I will say this, this is the best that Omos has looked in a match ever. Facts. Ever, ever. And uh, I, I got to give credit to Braun Strowman where credit's due, man. He, he made the, the big man look good. It was a cool ending. I like how uh, I, I really do like how even as a super heavyweight Braun Strowman played like he was like a cruiserweight and young and lighter. However, I at the same time that I liked it because it made sense. I didn't like the fact that we've seen Braun Strowman flip ambulances and pull down entire sets, but he can't body slam Omas. Yeah, I, 
there's there was a there lot. There's some logic points to this match, but it was good for what it was. Yeah, for what it was, it made sense. It was okay. And Strowman, stay off of fucking Twitter. My God, shut your mouth and shut sit the fuck down. Is all I'm going to say because man, you got owned by Mustafa Ali real fucking quick. Mm-hmm. Next up was for the WWE Undisputed Tag Team Championships of the World. Your champions, the Usos, Jay and Jimmy. They're the ones. And the Brawling Brutes, Ridge Holland and Butch, were the twos. And in this match, it got 10 minutes and 45 seconds. And still, your WWE Undisputed World Tag Team Champions, the Usos. Good match, though. I love the brawl in the beginning of this. Love love this match. Thought it was really solid. Don't mind seeing this go one more time. Probably the second best match of the night. Yep. Maybe tied for second because the next two matches were one and two. Easy. Mm-hmm. Easy. So this is it, this is right up there with the next match we're going to talk about. And it would have been the best match of most cards if it wasn't for the main event. Right. Which on this show, the main event was, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Sure. But uh, I, I'm excited because now we, and listen, the original fight forever gets to happen this Friday on SmackDown. Usos versus the New Day for the tag titles. Usos trying to continue on with their record-setting uh, championship reign. Yeah. And the New Day, who owns that championship reign currently, is trying to shut them down from it. Perfect story. I love this story, and plus, I love when these two teams get together. I don't care that we've seen these two teams wrestle 999,000 times. Don't matter. They're, they this put is going to be the one millionth time, and it's yeah. still great. It's, yeah. it's, it's as good as the first time. It, the, the chemistry for these four men that are going to be in this match is off the charts. Mm-hmm. By the way, I would also like to point out the Sami Zayn chants were amazing. Facts. Unfortunately, Sami Zayn, due to his beliefs, which is fine, yeah. and also due to the Saudi government not letting him in because he's Libyan, uh, yeah, that's a problem. So, uh, And I support him completely mm-hmm. also Absolutely. mvp if you want to believe fightful was not led into the country because he's a former muslim and uh now he's an atheist which is punishable by death in saudi arabia so good move good choice <laughs> yeah <clears throat> yeah next up was the last woman standing match for the wwe raw women's championship your champion bianca belair going one-on-one with bailey this match got 20 minutes and 20 seconds or the same amount of time that women's matches get in AEW in a two-month period of time Mm-hmm. That's Not how wrong. I also like to look at it. At the end of the day, and still your WWE Raw Women's Champion, Bianca Belair. This match was phenomenal. Once again, another match that would have been the best match of the night. And also a women's match of the year contender, definitely already. Oh, absolutely. And it would have been the best match of the night if it wasn't for the main event. How did you feel about Bianca versus Bailey? Perfect. <laughs> uh, just top to bottom, this is storytelling 101. They put on a show. This would have been. This is one B on the on the card, but this is definitely in the contention for women's match of the year, without question. Yeah, I agree, one hundred and ten percent. I thought this match was phenomenal. I think this is the best match the two of them have had against each other uh, in their short feud. Guess what? And all the other matches are good too. Yeah, all the other matches are good too. That brings us to the main event of the evening for the undisputed WWE Universal Champion, your champion, the Big Dog. The head of the table, the tribal chief, acknowledge him. That's right, Roman Reigns going one-on-one with Logan Paul. And, of course, Logan Paul would have Jake Paul in his corner. And Roman Reigns would have Paul Heyman and eventually the rest of the bloodline that was in Saudi Arabia. (laughs) Yes. The match got 24 minutes and 50 seconds at the end of the, the match. And still the undisputed WWE Universal Champion, Roman Reigns, with a lot of interference. But... 
That's not the story of the match. No. The story of the match is, first of all, I want to say the boxes I checked off. I said this match was going to be between 20 and 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. 24.50. I said that this match was going to prove to the world that that uh, J, or, uh, Logan. Logan Paul was a phenomenal wrestler. Check that box. And it was definitely a great main event. Who would have thought that in his third match ever, Logan Paul would be in a match of the night and match of the year contender. I don't think it's going to win match of the year contender for me, but it is still, it should be in that category. It's in the talk. In his third match ever against Roman Reigns in Saudi Arabia. If you would have told me that going in, I said that it was going to be great and he was going to show the world that he was definitely a future star. I think he did it, went above and beyond that. I mean, let's let alone the fact that halfway through the match, he tore his MCL, his ACL, and his meniscus in his knee and wrestled the rest of the match yeah. with a torn knee in doing some death-defying shit like a frog splash from the top rope through a table while holding a fucking cell phone. Yes. Live on Instagram, by the way. Amazing. It, it, <laughs> simply amazing. The kid is the real deal. This is the future of WWE. Love it or hate it, this kid proved without a shadow of the of a doubt he belongs. He is in that upper echelon of the card already. Anybody, though, is not sold by his performance doesn't know wrestling. I'll say it out loud. He made me a believer. And putting on that show, working with a knee that was clearly hurt, too. And you could definitely tell. like He was trying not to sell it that it was that bad, but it was bad. But the fact he still did the frog splash scene around the world and the fact he held that cell phone, that I mean, that is just ingenious of marketing himself to everybody because not only like if you were not watching wrestling you're watching like what the hell is he doing and this is blown up virally he is now raised his stock even higher and then let alone to the ending of the match with that torn knee after going off the top rope he still does a clear cut dive over the top rope to hit every member of the bloodline and he still got how much air like that's ridiculous so what can we say? When he's ready, if he wins the Royal Rumble, I'm not going to be mad. Well, that's if he's healthy in time. Yeah. That's a big injury to come back for. Unfortunately, that's going to set him back, which kind of sucks because whew, sky's the limit for Logan Paul. Mm. Very impressed with Logan Paul. Of course, you got to have a dance partner, the best one in the business. Roman Reigns. For all those people who don't think Roman Reigns can wrestle, yeah. <laughs> Roman Reigns is good. He's real good. That's the problem. And I mean, I'm going to go back to the people who think that he's not good. Remember what Kenny Omega said. When Kenny Omega was asked, like, oh, you know, he, you're a better wrestler. And he goes, well, nope. I would like to think that we're on the same level. You don't get to where he's at in the business without being fucking good. And if me and him had a match, it would be awesome. Mm-hmm. There it is. Even Kenny Omega knows that he can go. And it would be awesome because you had put two of the best in the world, bar none, in the ring together. Magic's going to happen. Yes. And uh, Logan Paul, man, three matches in, already looking like a vet, man. I mean, he still has some little things to work on. But, I mean, very little. Yeah, it's small. <laughs> very small little. Small list. On the other hand of this, Jake Paul. Whew, for everybody who thought he was throwing work punches in boxing matches, his real work punch looked like trash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he needs some work if he's going to do the professional wrestling biz. I don't know if he is or not. And uh, you know what, though? It was kind of cool seeing him as the... It was kind of cool seeing him as the hype man, though. Yeah. He's got some things to work on if he wants to wrestle, but he, he was cool as the hype man. Yeah, if they want to bring him in as, as Logan's muscle, I think you know you can definitely do something there. Maybe if he puts the work in, yeah. I think he probably can accomplish. I don't know if he can accomplish the athleticism of Logan. Paul, no, but no, he could, he could definitely do a bruiser kind of situation if he were puts the work in. But I will say it was cool to have him as a hype man, and he's definitely energetic, and the crowd was into it. Yeah, definitely. 
So at the end of the day, though, I got to say it. Crown Jewel 2022, great event, man. Great event. Facts. I'm not the only one saying it, though. We have uh, just heard WWE released a statement today that says that Saudi Arabia's Crown Jewel 2022 has surpassed Clash at the Castle as the highest watched PLE in the history of the Peacock. Cock, cock, the Peacock. Well deserved. Back to back bangers on the Peacock for yeah. WWE, man. Well, you know, with Logan Paul causing that viral sensation. Fans tuned in, and fans definitely were telling people to come back and watch it. So I'm not doubting that that number was going to be huge. Absolutely. Well, that's going to bring us to the end of the opening bout. We are going to take our first break. When we come back, it'll be time for the mid-card, and we're going to be talking Indie Roundup, Game Changer Wrestling, Black Label Pro, Wrestling Revolver, and more right after this break. is slapping on that base so that only means one thing it is now time for the mid card of this week's 607 TWS bring it back gun yeah get it it's getting groovy in here for the mid card and we got a lot to talk about by the way the mid card to you this week is brought to you by fight.tv more specifically Fight Plus. That's right. Fight Plus has been around for a little bit, but it's gone under a gigantic revamption lately. And I know that's not a word, but that's the one I'm going to use because I'm excited for Fight Plus. $4.99 a month, Ken M, and you get access to not only... In the past, it was you had to wait 30 days mm-hmm. for pro wrestling action and MMA action and rugby action. But no, no, no. Now they're offering all of that live for the $4.99. And guess what companies are involved? What companies? Game Changer Wrestling, first Boom. and foremost, the big one. Black Label Pro. Then, of course, our good friends down at Glory Pro Wrestling. Mm-hmm. And just added, and we just found out about it today, the Wrestling Revolver. How loaded is the is Fight Plus now? Now, Ken. Guess what? Not only is it four ninety nine, but guess what else? What else? You get two free fight credits a month just for being a member. So it's really actually only two ninety nine. That's amazing. So you can use those fight credits towards pay-per-views. And now, because you can watch great events, all live events from Game Changer Wrestling, Wrestling Revolver, Glory Pro Wrestling, Black Label Pro, and more, including MMA and rugby, that means you can use those for other events that aren't covered. You can use those towards the NWA events because they got one coming up this week as well. You can use those towards the Impact 
events because mm-hmm. they're on there on Fight the TV as well. So you can portion these up, and you won't even have to pay for Bound for Glory next year. It's amazing, the deal that you have here. And for the value alone of GCW, which... Game Changer Wrestling would cost about $20 a, a, a bundle weekend, and they would do at least two a month. So if you do the math, that was $40, at least $40 a month, between $40 and $50 a month, and on once where they did a lot more events, it was closer to $60. Not counting their big weekends like uh, when they do the Collective mm-hmm. or when they do the uh, Wrestling Summit. And those events were running you. The Wrestling Summit used to run, usually ran around, around $60 for, I think, like eight events. And wrestling su- and the uh, Collective, which was, pr- was right around 15 events, would run you somewhere around the 120 to 140 dollar range i think last year i paid 130 and that was because i got it early right um so if you realize that all of those events now are included for 4.99 a month the savings for a gcw fan alone because of fight plus on an average month on a cheap month where it would cost you at least 40 dollars, you're saving you know 35 bucks right there it's incredible not to count the more expensive months, because the months where there was the collective, that was only one weekend. GCW still ran one or two other weekends, mm-hmm. so you were going to spend over $200. So in WrestleMania season, instead of spending $200, the collective, which is Black Label Pro, <laughs> Glory Pro Wrestling, Wrestling Revolver swings in and out of it as well, AIW, which is also on Fight Plus, yep. and GCW, you're going to get all those shows, plus their monthly live ones, and with GCW, uh, you know, bi-weekly or sometimes every week shows. For four ninety nine plus, you get the entire catalog of back GCW shows. They haven't added all the old shows yet, but they are coming. As of this weekend, all the NGI's Nick Gage Invitationals will be up, and they're adding every other show that they can, but they're all the way back to right around Joey Janela's Lost in New York, and they're continuing to go back from there as well because it just takes a while to get all these up. But you're going to get the whole back catalog for Game Changer Wrestling plus every live event alone that's worth it. Plus, on top of that, AIW, Black Label Pro, Glory Pro, uh, wrestling revolver and so much more fight plus is the destination to go and i'm not just saying that because they're a great sponsor i'm saying that because i'm also a client and i have fight plus it's an amazing deal and for anybody that really is not feeling wwe or feeling AEW, five dollars a month will get you a pretty much unlimited supply of indie pro wrestling that you can find something you'll love and definitely become hooked on well, the reason this is definitely the main sponsor this week is because we're going to talk about a huge weekend. There is five, count them, five independent wrestling cards coming to you live this weekend. And there's more than that. We're just the five that we're picking to choose to right. cover for Fight Plus. Not even the ones that you could pay for because NWA has uh, hard times this weekend. Yep, hard times three. So, so therefore, you could buy that event. Uh, also, uh, uh, Circle Six is putting an event on Fight, which I thought they had to deal with IWTV, but it's not covered under I, uh, Plus because they're not a Fight Plus member. But they're cov- they're on that this weekend as well. And there's a couple other shows going on as well that aren't part of Fight Plus. Mm-hmm. But just from the Fight Plus and the companies we love and, and watch and glad they're a part of Fight Plus, you're getting five, kind of five events. Let's talk about the GCW events first, shall we? Let's do uh, it. There's not a lot of matches announced because it's a deathmatch weekend. And there's two shows. First up is on Saturday. November the 12th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And that is coming to you from Chicagoland, Chicago, Illinois. And it is the Nick Gage Invitational, the NGI 7th. It's the 7th uh, you know, annual Nick Gage Invitational. And we have the participants for you. There is nine participants, and they are as follows. Alex Colon, John Wayne Murdoch, Ciclope, uh, Sakuda, Sawyer Wreck, Big F and Joe, Hunter Freeman, Miedo Extremo, and Cole Raderick, the Ratty Daddy himself. 
Uh, we only have one match announced for the first round so far, and it is uh, over in England, TNT. They're one of their big competitors, Big F and Joe. He's going to go up against the Duke of Hardcore, John Wayne Murdoch, in the first round. That is the only match announced so far for first round matches. The NGI, how are you feeling about it? Who do you think is going to walk out as your Nick Gage Invitational winner? Going with the Dark Horse, Hunter Freeman. Oh, that's a good choice. He's a young up-and-comer. He's a big big shot. Mm -hmm. I'm actually going to go. I originally said the Duke of Hardcore, John Wayne Murdoch, but I'm actually going to go with Sakuda. Okay. I think Sakuda is going to come in, uh, and he's going to take the most of the opportunity given to him at the NGI. It's going to be a great night of wrestling action, though. Could you imagine, though, if the Ratty Daddy wins? I mean, how, how loud that place will explode. I would love it if the Ratty Daddy wins. I'm just saying, if Cole Raddick pulls this off. I'm that, a fan. Yeah, I'm a huge fan, but he is really winning over the GCW faithful. And just imagine if he wins that. It'd be great. I'm not even going to lie. Uh, GCW will be back on Fight Plus and Fight.TV on Sunday, November 13th at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time from Lapeka, Wisconsin, right outside of Milwaukee. Okay. And uh, it's going to be the GCW Presents, the Wisconsin Death Trip. There's going to be a lot of death matches on this as well. They have not announced them yet, but everybody who's on the NGI is announcing unless there's an injury. I think that's why they're not announcing matches. Right. So that will be at 6 p.m. So it's a great death match wrestling weekend if you have... If you don't know if you like death matches, you can dip your toe in. It's going to be a little extreme. Yeah. If you love death matches, check it out. If you're not a death match wrestling person, it's probably not for you to watch GCW this weekend. Mm-hmm. Just throwing it out there. However, you don't have to go anywhere but Fight Plus because there's a lot of great regular wrestling action as well. Because Black Label Pro has got not one, but two shows going down on Saturday, November 12th. You hear that? Two shows. Yeah. First of all, on November 12th, it is going to be... Uh, at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Slamilton show number one. And uh, this is the description right from Fight Plus. On November 12th, Black Label Pro Wrestling is coming live on Fight Plus with two events in one day. The lineup for the first one is already stacked, and you can check it out below. Here's the lineup, Ken M. Okay. Sawyer Wreck versus Killer Kelly. So Sawyer Wreck, who's also in the NGI, will be on the early show here. <laughs> Oh, they're, that's not, they're not coming too far from each other. By okay, okay, I was going to say. Trevor Outlaw versus Percy Davis. Okay. Space Pirates are going to go against these Coast Ace Jordan Oliver and All Elite Nick Wayne in a tag Ooh. team extravaganza. Okay. Eric Stevens is taking on Kevin Blackwood. Mm. Former ROH superstar Eli Ism is taking on Kevin Koo. Okay. Our good friend Filthy Tom Waller goes one-on-one with Carlos Romo. Okay. Daddy Effie is going to go one-on-one with Sky Blue. Only wrestling Sky Ooh, That'll be a good match. Kevin Knight goes one-on-one with Brogan Finley. Okay. The other, uh, bo- the bone collector, Dominic Garini, the other half of uh, f- uh, Violence is Forever with Kevin Koo, mm-hmm. is taking on Trick Davis. Okay. Cody Lane versus Dylan McQueen. And the Black Label Pro Championship is on the line as your champion, Calvin Tankman, takes on Levi Everett. That's Ooh, right, the Amish Warrior, baby. That is Slamilton Show 1 at 4 p.m. But remember, we said they had two shows. Right. Because later that night, at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we get BLP Slamilton Show number 2. And uh, the event features... The BLP Midwest Championship match between Joshua Bishop, that's right, Baby Sid, taking on Alec Price. Oh. 
As well as for the Black Label Pro Tag Team Championships, the Bang Bros are going to take on Violence Is Forever. Hmm. So, also on the card is the announced Masha Slamovich versus Jake something. Oh, Yeah, you heard that right. Oh, take my money now. Well, I mean, you, they already got it. It's yeah. on Fight Plus, four ninety nine. Still, though. I've, I've paid. Look, it says purchased right there. I, I know, but my God, that's going to be a great match. Harlan Abbott versus Kobe Durst. Uh, Space Jesus, Billy Starks versus Zoe Lucas. Twist and Flip with Mar- Isaiah Moore will take on Devon Monroe and NDS. Hog and Dog versus Natterday Saints. Trick Davis versus Vinny Pacifico. Dan the Dad goes one-on-one with Swoggle. <laughs> and in a match that's going to be two crazy sons of bitches beating the piss out of each other, Isaiah Bronner versus Matthew fucking Justice. Oh, Jesus. So uh, I'll tell you what, Black Label Pro bringing two great cards to this event. I mean, the two title matches on that night card are, are worth the price, the four ninety nine alone, let alone the rest of the card. My God, Masha and Jake something. So Slamilton goes down. Two shows on November 12th. You know what else goes down November 12th, Ken M? <laughs> what doesn't go down November 12th? 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Wrestling Revolver. Smoke them if you got them. Coming to you from the great state of Ohio, from Dayton, Ohio, at the Colmate Center. The event features the remix title being on the line. In an Iron Man match, your champion, Trey Miguel, defends the title against Alex Shelley. Ooh. Iron Man match, by the way. Ooh. And then they got two first-time-ever matches anywhere, Ken M. Speedball Mike Bailey takes on Jake Chris. Okay. Rich Swan takes on Brian Pillman Jr. Oh, that's going to be fun. Also on the lineup, AEW superstar Shane Swerve Strickland goes one-on-one with Myron Reed. Okay. There's going to be a three-way dance. Ready for this one? AEW's, well, allegedly AEW's, I, once again, it's, he said he was signed, but they said he was signed before. Bandito takes on former Impact Wrestling X Division champion Ace Austin, also a member of the Bullet Club, mm-hmm. takes on KC Navarro. Oh, damn. So how about that That's three-way dance? That's a loaded triple threat. Four corner mayhems next. Steve Macklin. Crazy, right? Mm-hmm. What if I told you he's in there with the one called Manders? Oh, a little crazier, right? Yeah. What if you add in Crash Jackson? A little crazier, right? Uh-huh. Well, you ready to send it over the top? Because the last member of this four-way is the Southern Psychopath, the old Mancer, Mance Warner. Damn. Oh, that's going to be insane. Next up, we have a couple tag team matches on the card. The first of the two, the unit, JT Dunn and Allie Catch taking on Zachary Wentz and Jessica. Oh, Havoc. Okay. And Team Ambition, Warhorse, and Mike Outlaw take on Infrared. Nice. That'll be also, real good. Also, John Moxley and Arn Henderson will also be appearing <laughs> at Smoke em If You Got Them. Uh, that's just kind of a little added benefit, I guess. But yeah, talk about some crazy shit going on this weekend, Ken M. That four-way is going to be insane. Four ninety nine gets you all that awesome action this weekend on Fight Plus. <sighs> what a deal. Like, in all honesty, what a deal. Yeah, and that's not even going into next week when when GCW is back on Fight Plus the next weekend. Right. Which we'll talk about that next week. Sure. But uh, how about that for Fight Plus stepping that motherfucking game up? Well, you think about it, they're making a real play to get the independent wrestling community on board. And signing those companies to come 
and air on there for such a, a reasonable price. Like it is an amazing deal. Like it's almost like when the WWE Network, you know, first came out, and everybody's like, "Oh, with the tape library and the live pay per views." Like this is almost like a, a 2.0 in, in a degree for the independent wrestling community. I mean, IWTV still does a great job. There's sure. a lot of like great promotions over on IWTV at, at 9.99 a month, which is still a steal of a price. But now you're getting some of the top tier indie promotions who have either left IWTV to come to Fight Plus, or in the case of GCW, went from making boatloads of money on pay-per-view yeah. to signing to this. So I don't know what kind of money had to exchange hands there, but this is a great deal for the wrestling fans. So $4.99 a month, Fight Plus, check it out. Plus you get $2, two, two fight credits a month, which basically is a dollar a piece if you really think about it. Mm. It's an amazing deal. Well, that brings us to the end of the mid-card and our indie roundup. We're going to take the final break of the show. When we come back, it's time for the main event. We're going to talk about the surprises that happened in AEW Dynamite this past week and how that's shaping up to full gear which is a week from Sunday or week from Saturday sorry away all that and more right after this final break Wrestling fans, are you ready? Uh, let's get ready to rumble! It is time to rumble. It is time for the main event of this week's 607-TWS. And we're going to end this week's with main event segment with all elite wrestling and talk about an interesting week for all elite wrestling and television. Mm-hmm. Because we need to talk about this. And of course, the grander picture here is we're building to full gear, which is a week from this upcoming Saturday. We are in the final stages. Next week, we will be previewing full gear in its entirety in all 25 matches. I'm, I'm joking, <laughs> but not really, because I think as of right now, we're right around the 10-11 match mark just from, just from the press stuff that they've sent us. So I'm expecting this to be another like 15-match card between the buy-in and uh, full gear. So we'll figure that out more, obviously, as we get closer, because next week is the preview for it in the main event. little teaser there. But we are in hardcore build mode. And I, I'm going to save my criticism. We're going to come back to this, but I'm going to say this. It feels like we started off this hot full gear build with this great John Moxley versus MJF main event for full gear for the AEW world title. And then it feels like for some reason they have cooled that the fuck down and they've gone back to what AEW does better than anybody. And that is throwing shit together. Although they only have four pay-per-views a year. 
So they have three months to build each pay-per-view if you go by them being quarterly. Mm. I know it's not exactly three months for each, but we're, you know, two, three months in between pay-per-views. Yeah. At, at the, you know, even sometimes more because they're not all spaced out perfectly. And once again, we're in that boat. We're going to come back to that, Ken, because I think that that's the place where we end. And we're going to build into proving that with talking about this past week's AEW Dynamite, which is not the go-home show. The go-home show will happen not this Wednesday, but the following Wednesday. Mm-hmm. But when you're the third, you know, you know, third Wednesday out, so you got this, you know, last week's show, then the show that's coming up this Wednesday, and then the show after, we should be in hardcore build mode oh, for full gear, right? And at this point, I gotta say, with the events that happened on this past Wednesday, I don't think they built anything to full gear. Not only did they build anything to full gear, they just added more questions. Yeah, this was not a good show. And Oh yeah, we're not gonna paint it as such. No, no, but <laughs> but but just to say, like to echo on the statements, the debuts they did didn't really move a needle, so to speak, in the direction of what you want to do for a pay-per-view, especially one that is a big deal. It's gonna be your final calendar pay-per-view of twenty twenty-two. You want to end the year on a high note with that, and obviously we know there's some stuff that they're working towards, but you can't really say you're building a lot on Rampage either. So I agree. This is just a lot that's like so confusing. So before we jump into the whole events of what's happening, I'm going to blame myself. I I went on record last week on the show and said, man, the past two or three weeks of AEW Dynamite have been absolutely terrific. And I thought that they were the some of the best shows we've ever seen from AEW. No, agreed. Top tier. Sure. I would even argue the one the, not this past, the, not the one we're ago. talking about two weeks ago was probably the best Dynamite ever. Yeah. If it's not the best, it's it's in that argument. It's in it's in the competition, yes. So I'm like, man, we're coming off of you know the like three you know the two or three weeks of great shows because like the the three when you go back to that third week, that first week, it was good. It wasn't great, but it was really good. Mm-hmm. And then you had a great show, and then a really great show, and you're like, oh man, they're turning the corner. And we're building. We're you know we were building. My, you know the only the only thing that I took away for in the one show was I was like I don't know. I mean I know that MJF is going to be the devil and he'll be a heel at the end of the day. But building this up, this you know, and making him a face kind of, I didn't like that. But whatever, still I can get by that because it's a great show. Mm-hmm. So this week I'm like, what are we going to do? Are we still going to be building towards Mox and MJF, or are we going to start building towards something else? And of course, once again, we had Mox, to, you know, in an eliminator match, which I like Mox on TV. Yeah, but I, I, so I think sometimes we're using Mox a little too much. Well, yes and no. I, I think the the argument you can make is with the eliminator stipulation, it is too much. But I don't mind seeing him on TV defending the belt. Oh, I don't I don't I don't mind seeing him on TV. I'm but, just saying but it's a catch 22. We we got other guys who could be in that spot and we could build to something and especially since this show did not spoiler alert have any MJF at all. Right. Which I think hurt the show. If you're not going to have MJF, maybe you could do a vignette for both of them, a little backstage and then have other people on the show shining to build towards full gear. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, in the next 2 weeks you have, you know, bring back Mox and MJF and ba ba ba. Build that match more, right? Yeah. But let's talk about why this show is lackluster. And I'm going to tell you what. The surprise shoe has dropped. (laughs) The last big surprise in wrestling, ladies and gentlemen, and I mean this wholeheartedly, was Bray Wyatt. Mm -hmm. And that's not because WWE did it. It's just like he was the last guy left. Yeah, there was no other big needle mover. That's it. That's the last guy left, right? Mm -hmm. So our opening contest on Dynamite is Darby Allin going against Jay Lethal again. Yeah. Which I feel like we've seen this match at least 10 times. 
somehow in between the House of Black feud with Darby Allen, they kept running Jay Lethal versus Darby Allen too. Yeah, this is not the fight forever we want. No. Not a bad match, giving it credit. It was okay. So at the end of the match, he's getting the beat down from the, the Jay Lethal faction, if you will. I don't know what to call them. And then Sting's music hits. So, you know, we get Shivani. It's Sting! You know, because we have to get that. But it wasn't Sting, and you could clearly tell it wasn't Sting because he was a lot smaller. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the Sting attacks Darby Allen. Well, it's revealed that it's Cole Carter, former NXT wrestler for World Wrestling Entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. Most recently saw as a member of the factory. Mm-hmm. So now he's aligned himself with Jay Lethal. So we get a little, uh, you know, we get some some help out there for Darby. And then the lights go out. And who enters the ring in the same fashion they did for GCW? The last outlaw, Jeff Jarrett. And he alcabongs Darby Allen with a non-gimmick guitar because Darby's playing pretty bad out of the back of his head while he lays on the mat. Yeah. And then we get the Jeff Jarrett promo about how he's the last outlaw. And, of course, him and, and Jay Lethal are in this together. So we have this surprise that gets no reaction for Cole Carter because nobody really knows who the fuck he is. Mm-hmm. And then we get a mild reaction for Double J, Jeff Jarrett. Mind you, not taking a shot. This venue that they were in only seated 3,500 people. And as of show date, according to Ticketmaster, they had only sold 2,200 tickets. So... Not a very big venue. So I don't know if this was the right place to do a lot of surprises. Yeah. Um, so let's just start off. How do you feel about having Jeff Jarrett, the wrestler? We're going to get into something in a second in all elite wrestling. Why? That was kind of my honest reaction. I mean, at this stage, it's like, I don't think Jarrett's going to be doing anything monumental in the ring. I'm sorry. That's just me. Well, I can tell you uh, why the internet says. They say that it's officially uh, that WCW slash TNA 2.0 is officially all elite. I've seen that graphic all Yeah, well, I can see that too. 2007 TNA is running wild, brother. <laughs> uh, but that's the internet, not me. Mm-hmm. The other big deal here for, and the, probably the bigger portion of the deal for Jeff Jarrett is it was announced through uh, releases from AEW, mm-hmm. media releases. That Jeff Jarrett is not just there to be an on-air talent. Jeff Jarrett is also the executive of live events for All Elite Wrestling. Similar to his job that he had with World Wrestling Entertainment. Right. Gets better. In said release, that was given by the media people, but quoted from Tony Khan, the goal of Jeff Jarrett in his new executive role for AEW is to expand, to greatly, sorry, this is the exact quote, greatly expand... AEW's live events. So here, here, hear me out. Right now, according to Dave Meltzer and a lot of other people, mm-hmm. AEW is having ticket sale problems. So their answer has been lately that they have a live dynamite and a live rampage. So they're doing two live weekly shows. Yeah. Now with adding Jeff Jarrett, they're talking about greatly, that was the word used, expanding their live events so are they talking about adding house shows that's that's the way i read it right that's how i did too now before we get into the biggest problem with that how do you feel about jeff jarrett 
being the executive of live events and greatly expanding house shows just from the job standpoint. There is a big negative I want to talk about after. So hopefully you don't touch upon it here. <laughs> I think it's a smart move for AEW if they want to try doing live events. I think Jared would be okay for that. Okay. So here's where the, the trickiness comes in. One of the reasons people liked working for All Elite Wrestling was that they could work the indies still. Mm-hmm. So with more live events, that would mean that they would be working weekends. So there goes the indies for some of the people who that was their, their goal and their one of their silver linings, right? Yeah. The bigger one, though, Ken, what is the main difference between working for AEW and WWE? We know that they get paid about the same or roughly right around the same. Tony is notorious, allegedly, for overpaying people. Mm-hmm. What is the big silver lining to take the AEW contract over the WWE contract? You work indies. You... Well, nope. You work less dates. Oh, less dates. Because, yeah, you can work the indies if you want. That that yeah, works that was, for some people. Mm. But for most of the big-name stars, you work less dates. In WWE, they do two, uh, house shows every weekend. They do Raw and SmackDown. Of course, the crews are split. So they're doing every week at least four shows. Mm. At least. Sometimes they, they split the road teams, and so there's more. But minimum four shows. So if you're a WWE superstar, you're probably wrestling three or four times a week. Right, it's like 300 days or something yeah, like that. Yeah, something close to that. I think it's a little less since the pandemic. It's like 275, but you know, we'll round it up. Right? Sure. So you're wrestling all these dates, live events, because like I said, a lot of times they have two different road crews on the weekend. There's, you know, We'll call them Road Crew A and Road Crew B because they like to do the super shows, on yeah, the week, those, super Saturdays and super Sundays or Sunday showdowns or whatever that they do at the live events. And they have two crews. They have the A and B crew, just like they did back in the day. when, And it's mixed. So there's some SmackDown guys and some Raw guys, and they try to balance it out as much as they possibly can. So you can go see them. And one, you know, so one crew on Saturday will be in you know Cleveland, Ohio, and the other crew will be in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And then on Sunday, the Santa Fe crew is in, you know, Tucson, Arizona, and the people who are in Cleveland are now in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Yeah. You know, it's shit like that, right? That's what they do in WWE. That's how they get to the dates. So now if you're going to be doing house shows and you're going to be adding dates, you went from originally signing an AEW contract where for your AEW contract, not talking about if you wanted to wrestle the indies, for your AEW contract, there's 52 weeks of Dynamite, and they taped Rampage with it. So then you had 52 dates, plus four pay-per-views is 56 dates. Mm. Then they added in the uh, once-a-month tapings for uh, Dark Elevation and Dark at uh, Universal Studios. So then, you know, and that wasn't all the major stars and stuff, but still, you know, some of the guys, that they did them over two days, one weekend a month. So... Now you are at 54 days. Or no, it's 56 and two or 56 two per or two days per month, 24 days, so you're at 60 80 days. So 80 days, right? Mm-hmm. Now, since Grand Slam, they have now been doing Rampage and Dynamite live days. Right, separate days. So now you are on 80 days. Now you're going to add another 52 days, possibly. Now, mind you, I know not every talent's working all these days, but that's still another 52 days onto the 80. So now we're about 132 days, give or take. Something like that, yeah. Now we're talking about adding one or two weekend shows, I would assume. So even if it's one, you're talking about another 52 days. on. So now you're at all of a sudden at 200 days, right about. So still less than WWE. And if they work two days, you're at 250 days. So still less than WWE. But originally, you were slated to work, you know, 60 dates a year? Yeah. Maybe? Do you think there's something in the contract since a lot of them are now getting renewed? 
that there's I mean, a there's deal in there about to be. The, that's the only thing I could think of that they're going to try making it more uh, in the sense of not working the indies, but we'll have you work our house well. So shows you never had indies. to work the indies there. That wasn't part right, of right, right. You no. were just allowed to, so you didn't have to rely on that. But here's about my problem: the pay is not going to go up. So if you signed, like, let's say allegedly, because we don't know the exact, let's say, and I know he's injured right now, so that's why I'm going to use Adam Cole so I don't get anybody's panties in a bunch. Let's say you're Adam Cole, who allegedly makes $5 million a year. Mm -hmm. But when you signed that deal, that $5 million was based upon 60 dates a month, right. or 60 dates a year. Now, all of a sudden, you're going to have to tell him, like, no, well, we are going to need you on maybe not every house show, but we're going to need you on some. So now you're at 120. We're, at, we're doubling your dates. They're not doubling his money, though. See, that's I so technically speaking, you're making less money at an appearance, and they can do that because if they were smart, and it seems like they had to have been to announce any of this, they had to have it in their contract that they can make them work more dates, or they didn't put dates in their contract, which is a fucking dangerous thing that all these guys sign contracts with possibly no guaranteed dates. Yeah, because in WWE, a lot of guys sign date co contracts. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm signing this amount, and we, I do X amount of dates a year. So that means they don't have to work every house show. They do, you know, whatever, whatever. Some of the younger guys have to work more. Some of the older guys get to pick them. You have the Randy Orton deals where he doesn't have to work house shows at all. I mean, obviously he's injured right now, but he doesn't have to work house shows at all, although he chooses to wrestle some. Mm -hmm. But that's a choice that he makes. But he doesn't have to according to his contract. Same with Roman Reigns now, as we pointed out. He does not have to work house shows. Yeah. Hell, he doesn't even have to work every TV appearance. Right. He just picks and chooses. He can pick and choose, but there's a date. I, I don't know what the dates are in it because nobody's ever announced that because I'm sure he's not going to, but there's a certain amount of dates he has to hit. Mm -hmm. And who knows if guys thought about putting that in their contract. Maybe some of the smarter guys did. I'd assume guys like FTR probably did. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, whatever. But in their case, they haven't been using them on TV, so their dates are pretty fucking low. So they could make them do a shit ton of house shows to get the dates if they mm -hmm. did. It's an interesting strategy. Maybe that's gonna why we're not seeing FTR on TV. Maybe. Maybe this has been something in the works for a few little bit now. Now, from the business end for AEW, I think it is smart to do house shows. Mm, oh, absolutely. Because now it's a good way to test markets. Like That's the one thing that they, that they definitely misjudged is they tested markets live. Mm. So you ran the ability. And a lot of times when you have half-empty houses and shit, it's because it's in areas that don't sell well in wrestling tickets. Yeah, And they did that because they were doing it live. And I, I applaud them for what they were trying to do, but it was a dangerous proposition. And that's why they haven't expanded into any new territories. That's why they keep running the same venues mm -hmm. is because they can guarantee seats in those venues. You know what I mean? Yeah. So And, and some of them are going down because I guess Philly was down like 25% from the last live event they did. There. It was something like the rumor. But the thing is they ran Philly like twice in three months. Yeah. So that's a problem too. So I think that they're addressing these problems. And I, it's smart, so I'm actually giving AEW all the credit in the world. I just think it's unfair for the workers who thought that they were only signing on for you know maximum 100 dates a year, and now they're going to be at like possibly 200 or more. Yeah, <laughs> this it's just it's crazy math to try figuring out. But I'm hoping that the contracts are fully read to state what they're going to be doing because I can hear a lot of griping when this all starts unfolding. So from a person, from a professional and, a, and being a businessman in wrestling, I kudos to them for trying to grow the business. Yeah. Because this is going to be a good way to send some house shows to some of these smaller areas. And hey, if you can, you know, at a house show, if you can get three quarters of the building or more than, you know, I would say 60% or more for a house show full, then maybe you bring TV there. Because if you can get 60% or better on a live event, that means you're probably going to get, I would assume, at least 80% 
if not closer to ninety, I would say eighty-five percent or better for a TV taping. Mm-hmm. Like if you came to Binghamton with a house show, I think AEW would probably do very well. I think they would do about seventy percent of our arena for a live Easily, show. No yes. bullshit, because WWE comes here for live shows and they do about eighty percent. Yeah. So I think a little bit of a hit because we're a WWE town. So I think they would do seventy percent. I bet you if they brought a fucking dynamite here or even a rampage. They brought Rampage here, it would do well. Well, I it, well, they brought Dynamite here, even. Yeah, well, Dynamite's like, well, Dynamite's a given, but... Like, I'm just saying, if they brought even Rampage here, I think they'd sell 90%. If they brought Dynamite here, I bet you they'd sell it out. Or damn close. They'd be close. Because we haven't had TV here in fucking forever. Mm-hmm. So Rampage, I would guarantee, like, 90% in the Broome County Arena. And I would guarantee, probably for Dynamite, 95, 98, I mean, if not complete sellout. Yeah, it'd be close. It'd be fucking dead yeah. close. And our arena for wrestling seats about seventy five hundred. So it's not a bad it's not a bad yep. trait for them. That's not a really a bad turnoff. No. Like I said, when I was in in, in uh, Albany, uh, there was about eight thousand seats open, and they had probably sold like I sold you about five thousand tickets. Mm-hmm. So we've done more than the Albany and Binghamton. Mm-hmm. And it would look fuller because our arena is not as it's big. Smaller, yeah. So you would see even the empty seats, you wouldn't notice because it wouldn't be sections. It would be sparse. Yeah. So it looked fucking full. It would look sold out no matter what. That's my point. But it would be good to test the market first. And then that you do that everywhere. You know, you go out to Idaho or whatever, Boise, you yeah. know, and you go, okay, we're going to do a live event here. If we can sell 60 percent of the tickets or more we can bring we'll safely bring either a rampage or dynamite there because you're probably going to get 80 85 percent at the least for tv Mm because if you can get 60 percent a 20 25 percent bump is very reasonable right for a television product and then the ones that give you big bumps you can do pay-per-views and shit and go call call it a day or that's what you do you 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 elevate them from rampage to dynamite to a pay-per-view possibly especially big markets Mm -hmm. i think that's smart so i'm giving them credit however on the back end of this what does that mean for the wrestlers? And I guess we'll find out. Mm-hmm. So there's that. That's going to bring us to Chris Jericho's Ring of Honor World Title Open Challenge. Any champion. Any champion. And first and foremost, one of the biggest complaints I'm seeing online, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, and, and, and on Reddit, from AEW fans, is AEW fans are not fond of Ring of Honor taking over AEW television. Yeah. And once again, here we are with a Ring of Honor world title match as a focal point of Dynamite, your flagship show. Mm -hmm. And it was a good match, but all the champions in the history of Ring of Honor, Samoa Joe, Brian Danielson, Chris Hero, who I was really hoping it would be. Yeah, that would be amazing. Uh, Low key. I haven't seen him in a while. Maybe bring him in for a night, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and Jerry Lynn, who works for your company in the back. Be cool, right? He, I there was a little fr- Think about it. There was a little friction when uh, Jericho was attacking people, and Jerry Lynn came out and gave him the business a couple weeks ago. Yeah, see, I figure that's going to happen eventually. I, but I, I hope so, but I, I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. You have all these great champions, and your pick. And now, I mind you, I don't dislike the person. I very much like the person, but your pick is Colt Cabana. You're not in Chicago. You pick Colt Cabana for one reason and one reason only. Ken M., what do you think that reason was? To uh, make sure that one uh, CM Punk was watching the show and a big uh, adios. To to pick a fight with Phil Brooks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a fight where the king of petty is definitely going to be petty. Yes. Man, I just want to throw this out there. Thank, congratulations to Cole Cabana for being back on TV. I, unfortunately, I'm of two minds in this, and this is coming from the wrestling person working in the back. 
I, if I was Cole Cabana, I would be like, fuck you, I'm not doing this. Mm-hmm. Because you chose CM Punk over me. You treated me like shit. You took me off of TV. I haven't been on national television over a year since you signed CM Punk. Right. And now because you want to fucking be fucking petty, now you wheel me out? I understand why he did it. It's money. He's a smart man. Yeah. But come on. It just, and mind you, the match was good. I enjoyed the match between match was good, but still, this was just nothing more than to stick it to CM Punk. Well, it's a stick it to CM Punk, and then we can build, like, after the match, we got more, we got an attack on Ian Riccoboni, which brought out Claudio Castagnoli, which led to the uh, interview segment where we find out that at full gear for the Ring of Honor World Championship, we're getting a four way match. It's going to be the Ocho, which you should have trademarked, but unfortunately he did. The Ocho, trademark reasons, by the way. Yeah. The Ocho, before he starts using that shit too. The Ocho, Chris Jericho defending the title against Claudio Castagnoli, Brian Danielson, and Sammy Guevara. Yeah. How many times are we going to go to the well of, you know, hey, you're my friend, so you're going to help me out, but is he going to help him out or is he going to advance himself? This is, in, in, in this match, you're going to double whammy because you got the Blackpool Combat Club. Are they going to help each other out or are they going to go after the gold? Mm-hmm. And then in the other end, you got Sammy Guevara. You're going to do the right thing, right, little buddy? That yeah, was the exact line from Jericho, exactly. right? And then the look on Guevara's face was like, well, maybe I can get that fucking belt. Yeah, I mean, this is, I don't know. When I saw this, I was just like, why? Like, honestly, full gear, you're having a pay-per-view for Ring of Honor next month anyway. Why is this match even happening on here? The fact that you're trying to force Ring of Honor down AEW fans' throats is like when WWE was trying to force their version of ECW down old-school ECW fans' throats. It's not working. I'm sorry. Like At this stage, they should be on a separate show. If you're really going to run Rampage as a separate show, just call it Ring of Honor Rampage. Leave it at that. Let them go from there. And then you can build off your pay-per-view there. But the fact that you're going to be doubling down on Ring of Honor and hoping the fans are going to finally get on board with this? I'm sorry, they're not. It's just it's a waste of time. So the most egregious thing wasn't weird returns or debuts or any of that. The most egregious thing isn't even the lack of build for the pay-per-view, which we are going to talk about to end this segment in a minute. Mm-hmm. The most egregious thing that happened on this event was the fact that coming into this event, we had booked Jade Cargill versus Marina Shafir. Yeah, and the internet backlash because of some asshole from New York, mm-hmm. or some asshole from NY. We'll say it that way once again. And by the way, when you're talking about like podcasters not helping you, out, go fuck yourself, guy. Like, cool that you built your own shit around with a bunch of shitheads. And if any of them are listening, that's fine. You can be a shithead in your spare time, I guess. I don't know, but like, it's it's an interesting dichotomy. And unfortunately, wrestling in the wrestling community. In the wrestling fan community, I should say, unfortunately, we see there's still a lot of misogynistic, racist, homophobic people. And yes, you are all of the above, Mister N from NY. You are all of the above. And when you say, "Well, you can't prove it," dude, there's fucking. You go to Reddit and just see the list of things that they've already saved that you got tried to get rid of. Once it's on the internet, asshole, it lives forever. Mm-hmm. Just throwing it out there. But anyways, I digress. And that's your fan base. That's cool. Unfortunately, that is because once again, live events, we've heard people even on fucking shows that we like saying homophobic, homophobic, racist or misogynistic slurs to this fucking day. That's just part of the wrestling community. Unfortunately, just like we talked about in the Saudi thing, 
you know, other than the fact that, you know, you could punch those people in the face and possibly go to jail, there's not much you can do. I do know a lot of promotions, including Game Changer Wrestling and, and a lot of others, and AEW, mm-hmm. I'll throw it out there. If they hear that kind of shit, they'll kick you out. Right. As the companies should. And I know a lot of companies are that way, but unfortunately, it still fucking happens, right? Yeah. So the fact that this guy has a fan base is not actually that far to fucking amend. And, if, and of course, as toxic as wrestling social media, specifically Twitter is, it's really easy to see how an asshole would have a great fan base. Unfortunately, true. And unfortunately, that's the most egregious thing because because he called out and for once had to agree with his fucking statement because it was only an opinion. And for once, he wasn't being a total prick when he said it. The Marina Shafir thing and then everybody in the AEW women's roster and then some had to jump on him. You had to make sure that that match was decent, mm. at least good. And the reason why, if not, you were going to prove this asshole right. And of course, once again, he was kind of on your side, AEW, which was weird. You were inviting him to scrums and giving him access. And so, therefore, he was talking you guys up. And then this whole past week on Dynamite, he tore everything on the product down. A lot of people did that. We're going to get to Uncle Dave in a minute. Yeah. But this motherfucker and his horrible fucking fan base grew even more. And he put out some things about after because, of course, the Marie Shafir fucking Jay Cargo match was complete trash. And it was, what, 60 seconds, I do believe, was uh, the actual match Give time. Take, yeah. With most of it being talked over by Nyla Rose, which I love Nyla Rose, but I think you can use her better than just talking over matches. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I texted this to you the next day. I'm just going to read it after a tweet that he had put out about how he did a record number on his YouTube show and everything else because even though people tore him down, people people proved him right so now people see him as the truth giver because you made him you did you legitimized him i know and i said this the worst thing to come out of last night since AEW talent ran their mouths it legitimized this idiot more likes and retweets than he's been getting in a larger audience just what we needed a gigantic piece of shit with a bigger fan base and that was directly toted by AEW and fucking tony khan who also threw his two cents in And guess what, guys? Way to make this asshole fucking more legitimate. We're trying to get rid of assholes in wrestling, I thought. Hmm. Guess not. Way to do it. That's the most egregious thing from this past week's Dynamite. The fact that the show fucking sucked. And on top of that, the one match that they had to try to deliver on. And I understand it would be hard because Marina Shafir can't get it done in the ring. No problems there. We Mm -hmm. said that before. You didn't. And it legitimized some fucking prick. You played right into his hand. Congratulations. Exactly. Sad to see, especially with the progress they've been making with the show, that this was an absolute fumble and and the one point they needed to nail. If anything else on this show, they needed to make sure that that match was going to prove some people wrong, they failed at it. My opinion, your opinion, everybody's opinion that we've talked to. Absolutely. And uh, let's tie a bow on this before we jump into the pay-per-view bit for just a tiny bit, because obviously next week is when we preview it. Uh, a fan had uh, tweeted what, uh, to Dave Meltzer because it was a comment on the Dave Uncle Dave's comments. It said, "Well, it is expected because of the World Series. Do you think the show could have had anything to do with it?" Talking about the low rating. I am an AEW diehard, and to me, that show felt lackluster. I still watched and enjoyed, but something felt off. Question mark. And normally, I am very biased and side with AEW. This was different. This is the fan. Uh, Dave Meltzer chose to quote tweet it and said. Didn't feel like watching AEW to me, so agree. Your biggest cheerleader, once again, yeah. being critical. It's, it, it just shows, I mean, people are now, you're setting a bar. When you have a good show, people are expecting that. When it doesn't hit, you're getting called out on it. 
And that's being a fan. And you know what? That wasn't being a toxic co- comment either. That was being honest. But and that's something that you knew a lot of people were going to be watching because, you know, that person who we're not even going to, I'm not even naming, stirred it up. And thus you gave it right to them. And then obviously the fan reaction from your diehards is exactly that. This was, uh, this was a turd, to put it mildly. So let's do what we do like to do here because we're the only podcast that calls it right down the middle, and we've done that the whole show, whether it was WWE, whether it was uh, the Indie Roundup, or whether it's right now talking about AEW. Let's just put it out there. This is in the nutshell. There was a lackluster show from AEW this way past week on Dynamite. I blame myself for jinxing them, I guess, or giving them too much credit. Bad shows happen, whatever, whatever. Here's the problem. We're coming into a pay-per-view. The pay-per-view is a week from Saturday. There is two shows left. This upcoming Wednesday and the Wednesday after is the go-home show. You have two weeks to build to this card. Most of the matches that are announced for the pay-per-view have very little storytelling to them and have very little thought thrown behind them except for, oh, shit, there's two wrestlers put them in a match. Mm-hmm. Am, I not, am I wrong or am I correct? The only story building we've done a little bit is obviously we had a number one contenders match, so the Acclaim versus Swerve in Our Glory right, for the, the tag, tag titles. titles makes sense because they did that, although it should have been FTR, but whatever, I digress. I'm assuming we'll get announcement, if it hasn't already happened in the media, that FTR will be going up against the ass boys. I would be surprised if that doesn't happen, but hey, I've seen weirder shit, right? Mm -hmm. And that would make sense, correct? Yes. Is that part of the reason they're not in the tag title match? Hmm, makes sense. Then, of course, the world title fight we talked about on its own was something that everybody wants to see, so they still have that going for them, even though I think that they've kind of mishandled it, but they got two weeks to get get the ball back, right? Mm -hmm. Secure that bag. Outside of that, we got a four-way out of nowhere that seems to be the same bullshit, and I'm not going to go through all the whole card because we're going to do that next week. So there's a lot to look, you know, there's a lot to build to to get people excited because this is the problem, AEW. Unlike WWE, where they're on the peacock, cock, cock, the peacock for $4.99 or $9.99 a month, depending upon whether you want to watch commercials or not. And unlike what we just talked about with Fight Plus with the indies where it's $4.99 a month or even IWTV at $9.99 a month where you get all these events, you are still on normal pay-per-view with no streaming service. Mm -hmm. So therefore, you are charging $50 a pay-per-view, which we've said since the beginning is too high and probably why your pay-per-views don't sell as well as they should. Here's the problem that you've never learned over the years. It's a problem right now. And this is really where I'm coming at to the AEW people. If you're listening in Jacksonville, the reason why they don't sell well is you don't build these cards well enough for people to want to separate with $50. You know, if I'm already paying $9.99 for the Peacock or $9.99 for IWTV or $4.99 for Fight Plus, and I don't like a card that's on, but there's four or five other shows, guess what? I've made my money back because on Peacock, I don't even have to watch WWE. I can watch other things. On uh, IWTV, there's 50 fucking promotions at least. On uh, Fight Plus, there's at least 15 promotions, including five of the top independent promotions in wrestling there. Plus, I can watch MMA and rugby and all sorts of other shit, boxing, right? So there's value all over the place for these places. The biggest thing that they could use would be a streaming service, but I get it. They don't have it. That's not in their power. That's something to do with Warner Brothers Discovery or whoever, right? Mm-hmm. You could knock down the prices of the pay-per-views, but they're not going to do that because they're like, oh, we sold 115000 at $50, where the equivalent sold 200000 at thirty-five. Yeah. You know, same day. Di- you'd make more money, but whatever. I digress. Cool. I get it. UFC's 80 is what they say. Mm-hmm. UFC's a whole other beast, though. They have a diehard fan base. They'll pay 80 bucks. 
you know, shit, they, they got an $80 pay-per-view coming up this Saturday. We're going to probably order. Let's be honest here. Yeah. So my point of the matter still stands that you have to go above and beyond to get people to want to spend $50 on your product. And right as of right now, as of Monday, what is it today? Uh, 7th. The 7th of November at 9.15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I mean, we're going to get the event. We know that. Yeah. But as of right now, if you're asking me if I'm excited for this event, I'm excited for like two matches. And the card is probably going to be long. Just like last time, it's going to end at like 12.30, 1 o'clock in the morning. Thankfully, it's on a Saturday this time, though. Yes. Thankfully. Not a Sunday. That makes a difference. But I just don't see the value there. Mind you, you have two weeks. But So my challenge to you is make you got to make a run if you want people to buy this fucking thing. Uh, do you want to add to that? Am I wrong? Am I off? Or, you know, what is your take? No, you're spot on about this. I mean, I'm sorry. Other than a couple matches, this is a glorified dynamite. Let's be honest about this. The only matches that we've really had a solid build for, okay, MJF and Moxley, which everybody's excited about because it makes sense. And that has been a, a very good build thus far. The only thing that was a misfire this week was you're selling MJF's in- injuries. Uh, you could have still done a vignette from him in Long Island if you wanted. That would have made sense. The Jamie Hader Tony Storm match, which should be a bigger marquee match that you're doing, is already getting overshadowed because you're pushing for Soraya versus Britt Baker. That's the way it's coming across from the whole vignette segment that happened on Dynamite. So that is a bad look, in my opinion, because you should be highlighting the women's world title match over anything right now and it's getting just shadowed it's getting lost in the shuffle the tag match has a solid build but like you touched upon ftr why are they even number one contenders if all they're going to do is defend the ring of honor titles like they should not be on tv if you're going to do that and i and i don't want to see that because they're the best tag team in the planet right now but yet we're going to build this story we're going to have swerve turn on keith lee we all know it's coming so it's already been telegraphed itself and then you have whatever the four-way is for the ring of honor title which nobody cares about because this whole thing was just thrown together, and you hope it sticks. And these are only the matches that we know that are official yet. Right, and I'm going to say there's well, there's a couple more that we know that are official because they got they didn't send the graphics because there's a, there's six matches that are, they have the graphics that they've already sent to the press, which we have press for them. Mm-hmm. So that's how we have them. There's six matches. What they don't have on there is the the tournament scramble there that Ricky Starks and them is a part of. That's not featured on there, but that's a thing. And also, they don't have the fact that we know that we're getting Wardlow versus uh, Hobbs for the TNT title. Right. I think that was in a different. I think that was in a different package because we've already seen the graphic for it, so it's going to happen. So there's about nine matches already technically announced for the show, with more to come according to them. Mm-hmm. So once again, I feel like it's going to be like the last pay per view where we're going to get like 15 matches. Which is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I guess that, you know, if you're going by the more matches for 50 bucks, it feels a little better. But I would prefer quality over quantity. I'm right there with you. I mean, that's the thing. You don't need to just oversaturate it with matches just for reasons. Have it be a solid build because when the fans are locked in for it, they're going to shell out for it. They're going to go get the pay-per-views. They're going to watch parties like we do. And that's the big payoff from wrestling. When you don't have it and you just literally throw matches together and you hope that you sell it on the brand, it's not working that well. If you stay at your, if you plateau at your numbers for pay per views, you're not growing your business. And I think that kind of what it falls back to about you know where you assign Jeff Jarrett to come in and start doing house shows and really start building that up. This is a situation that with two weeks you really got to wow some people because I think this is going to get lost in the shuffle and you're relying solely on that main event, which is going to be a great main event. Don't get me wrong. Mox and MJF is going to be amazing. 
but is it really worth to a casual fan 50 bucks? I'm agreeing with you. I agree 100%. Once again, if you're listening in Jacksonville, which we know you are, the IP addresses are easy enough to file. Uh, so here's the thing. This, the ball's in your court. You got two shows left. Hopefully, next week when we come in here in the main event segment to preview the card that we have for AEW's full gear pay-per-view, hopefully we can go, man, this last episode of Dynamite was fantastic. They built this, this, and this. We're really excited again. We're excited for the go-home show and the pay-per-view. If not, it's going to be a rough sell, even for us. Yeah. I mean, we're going to try to sell the preview no matter what, because we always do. Mm-hmm. But at the same point in juncture, give us something to sell, baby. Give us something to sell and give the people something to buy. And once again, we'll start it early. Do not steal the pay-per-view. No. Do not be asking for fucking links. Don't be asking for dumb shit. Like, come on. Pay for it. If you're a fan, if you say you bleed the gold and the black and the white, then fucking buy the pay-per-view. If that's in your Twitter handle or social media profiles, do not be asking for the links. And by the way, we're going to know because it always gets asked. But here's the thing. We're going to say it again next week, too. Trust me. Buy the pay-per-view. Support the fucking product. I know $50 is steep, but do what we do and do a watch party. But if you are if you had enough money to buy yourself an All Elite Wrestling hoodie or jacket or belt or all that other expensive shit you can buy from uh, Pro Wrestling Tees, because trust me, it's not cheap. I know. And that's, mm-hmm. that's for anything. If you could have, Don't buy the fucking... I, I will put it this way. Don't buy the hoodie... If you can't pay for the pay-per-view. Facts. I'm just throwing it out there because I guarantee that AEW gets more money from the pay-per-view than they do from the hoodie. Mm-hmm. Just throwing it out there. I mean, I would say prefer do both. I own AEW apparel. I also own, uh, uh, you know, a lot of other things as well. Yeah. Uh, trust me, I, before my son's graduation, I'm going to be buying myself I'm better than you and you know it shirt. Mm-hmm. For reasons. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of reasons, that is the end of this week's edition of the 607 TWS. But before we go, Ken M, one more time, tell the fine folks how to find yourself in the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour podcast. Very simple. Swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join the conversation on our social media accounts. Also, check out the classified section, which has friends of the show, such as 3FN Podcast. There's a whole link for everything going on with the 122 Productions. I got to mention that more, but it's right there on the page. So that's why we always say just make sure you check out every link that's on that page because it takes you everywhere you need to go for anything that is the odphpodcast.com. And, of course, let's keep it short and sleep. Anything you need, whether it's social media, whether it's Patreon, whether it's Public, whether it's our friends of the show, whether it's the musical directory that features Floodlands and our friend Second Suitor who do the song that we play out every week to, whether it's the uh, local sponsors, like the, the direct sponsor of 607TWS, Dragon Master Games, for all your Magic the Gathering and gaming needs, visit them on the World Wide Web, DragonMasterGames.com. Got to give them a shout-out because that's why we don't have commercials here. Mm-hmm. If it's for any of that and more, so much more, the 607TWS page, the 3FN Podcast page, all of that and more, you can find it at a one-stop shop, 3FNPodcast.com. Visit the website and get all of that great information. This is bringing us to another end of a great episode of 607TWS. Next week, we will be back. We're in the main event. We will preview AEW's full gear. We will give you the rundown of everything that happened this past week in independent wrestling and Fight Plus. Plus, they'll probably be previewing some more stuff because I know Game Changer Wrestling is back that next weekend and everything else. There's a lot of stuff that's going to go down. I know WWE will have some news there as well. So we're going to have a lot to talk about like we do each and every week. Hopefully, you join us again. Hopefully, you're entertained. And hopefully, you appreciate the fact that we're the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. 
Take care of it for myself, for Ken M. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And most importantly, later, wrestling fans! If you take my hand, we could order Chinese. Japan Rainmaker, my heart so damn hard I can no longer stand in this room I'm starting to swoon The walls made of neon But I can't stop looking at you Looking at